Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I am your host, Colin Morgan, and five days a week, I aim to motivate, educate, and inspire you to live the life of your dreams. I interview some of the most successful and inspiring people, along with sharing insight of my own in order for you to not only be successful in what you're doing, but prosper in business and life. The show is for grinders, people who don't just have dreams, but are willing to lay it all on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome everyone to The Daily Grind. But I think where a lot of businesses have kind of gone awry or even founders have gone awry with like their their vision or purpose is that it doesn't have to. Like we don't have to grow to to win at, at business. And I think that the main takeaway that I would want people to get out of it is to just question growth. Hey grinders, I know it's early, but we're getting started with our holiday specials this month. For November only, we are dropping our mentorship program by 50% for all Daily Grind listeners. Now, due to pure volume and time, we can't select everyone. So we're looking for people who are not just looking to get better and make more money, but who are willing to make the necessary sacrifices in order to reach those massive goals you're setting for yourselves. So if that is you, be sure to book your 15-minute call with me today to learn more about how you can qualify for this offer. I look forward to speaking with all of you. Joining us today on the show is Paul Jarvis. Paul's an author and podcaster for freelancers and entrepreneurs. He's worked for himself for 20 years, so he knows all about lasting businesses. Paul's online courses, Creative Class and Chimp Essentials, have been taken by more than 13,000 Tang students. His writing has been talked about from everyone, from Ashton Kutcher to Ariana Huffington, and he's worked with amazing clients such as Microsoft, Marie Forleo, Mercedes-Benz, and Warner Music, just to name a few. Today on the show, Paul shares some really interesting and new ideas, which I'm sure a lot of you may enjoy. So with that being said, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, sit back, and dive deep in today's episode with Mr. Paul Jarvis enjoy well paul jarvis welcome to the daily grind how are you today i am good how's it going i'm fantastic thank you so much for asking and uh if you wouldn't mind paul say for some listeners out there who are being first introduced to you today just kind of in your own words sharing a bit more of who you are and what it is that you do sure hello everybody (laughs) Uh, my name is paul jarvis i've been working for myself since the 90s I've done everything from web design to um, like products and teaching now. So nowadays I write, like writing books, I make online courses, and I make uh, simple software products. Amazing. And where where did your start begin, Paul? I know you said you started back in the 90s. Have you always been into entrepreneurship or or where did your sort of professional career begin? Yeah. I didn't really want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't even plan on being an entrepreneur. I was actually, um, I was working for, so I I went to uh, U of T, University of Toronto, for people not from the same area that you and I are both from. (laughs) Um, And I was in computer science uh, with a specialization in artificial intelligence, which sounds really cool, but I was bored. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) like it. Fair enough. 
Yeah, so I dropped out of school, and the 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 dean of the program at the time was like, "You're gonna regret it, and you're gonna be back." And I was like, "Okay, you could be right, you could be wrong. Time time will time will tell us." Yeah. So I started to work for an agency, and again, I realized that hey, this probably isn't for me. I like the clients, but I don't like the way that the agency is treating the clients. So I was like, hmm. Maybe I'll just go find another job. And then the day after I quit, the clients from that agency started to call and were like, hey, we liked working with you specifically <laughs> at the agency and not the agency so much. So where are you going to go? And we'll take our business there. And after I got a handful of these calls, I was like, well, maybe I can start my own business. And so that's what I did. And I was gonna, I was actually going to go to the library because this is a long time ago, remember? Yeah. I was going to go to the library to look up how to write a resume because I'd never written a resume. Okay. But instead, I went to the library to figure out how to start a business. And that was, I guess, like 1998 or so. Yeah. And then I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of haven't looked back from there. Wow. Th those customers that came back to you and said, we, we, did you end up still working with them? Oh yeah, I worked with them. It was fun at, at the time. Those those are all um, professional. I was I was doing a lot of websites for pro athletes. Yeah, okay. so I was working with their agents. So it was mostly um, athletes that I was working with. So players in the NHL, NBA, uh, NFL, that sort of thing. So those became kind of my first uh, my first clients when I opened the doors to my web design business. Wow, and you know, for people listening, it just shows you the importance. Even if you're doing something that you don't like right now to do it really well and treat everyone with respect and do the best job because you never know, right, Paul? Like exactly what happened to you, yeah. that, that kick started. If, if that didn't happen, it probably would have taken, it probably would have happened for you, but it would have taken a whole hell of a lot longer. For sure, like it's all, like at any level of business that I've been at, it, it's all about relationships. Like I, I like to learn about the people that I work with, I like to get to know them, I like to, kind of interact with them as human beings because hint they kind of are human beings and I just like to yeah like you said treat them with respect and try to do the, the best job possible and that always pays off in spades like it's never my intention to do those things to get ahead but in doing those things and focusing on those things it always does lead to lead to good things for me yeah that's amazing and since you've started this business I mean you're a what would you consider yourself like a solopreneur um, well, I have a team of people, but it's yeah. a very small team. So I don't know, I guess like <laughs> entre like a small business entrepreneur, I guess. I don't actually know how to describe what I do. <laughs> yeah. Cause essentially what you do is correct me if I'm wrong, is you help people build better businesses, not bigger businesses. And that's in your own words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the way my business is structured where I have a team of a few partners and a few freelancers that I work with, uh, none of whom I have to manage because I'm actually really bad at managing other people. Gotcha. <laughs> so I only work with people that don't require any management that are just as driven uh, as I am and that just know how to do the work. So I don't need to look over their shoulders to make sure it's getting done. We only talk when it is done or if they have an issue, then they can always come to me and we can sort out what the issue is and, and work on it from there. Got you. And did you try at some point to build a bigger business, like hire people and be that manager? Was that something that you learned or you just intuitively knew through self-awareness that you weren't going to be good at managing people? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple people that I've worked with um, that did require management that I did. So I didn't like it and I wasn't very good at it. I mean, 
even in so much as I do the cooking in the house. And if my wife is like, hey, how can I help with dinner? I'm like, I don't actually know. It would be great if you could help, but I don't know what <laughs> I, what task I can delegate to you. So it's always kind of been my intention to like purposefully not grow my business in that specific way because I also don't want to promote myself out of the work that I like doing. So I really mm. like doing design and writing and, and making things on the internet and interacting with customers. So I don't want to grow a business so big that I couldn't do that anymore, where I would be managing people who are doing the job that I actually wish that I wanted to do. Got you. So you wanted to stick with sort of the practical day-to-day -day things that got you up out of bed every day and not focus yeah, on hiring and firing and growing the business that way. Totally. Yeah. Do you think a lot of the, the people, a lot of people that you speak and work with, do you think a lot of people think that way? It's funny because initially I thought for sure, no, like for sure I was the one weird business person who thought this way. Yeah. And then I started to talk about it and write about it. And I was inundated with responses from people saying, Hey, I thought I was the only one who didn't necessarily want to grow a massive business and just make it work at the size that it's at and, and, and do a good job and be profitable and, and do well and be happy, uh, in that way. And it was, it was amazing. Like I initially, like I said, I thought it was just me. And then when I started to talk about it, it was a lot of people so much so that I was like, Hmm, maybe I should probably try to write a book about it. Yeah. So, and, and this is what has come out of it. You actually have a book coming out in January, right? Yeah, exactly. The book is called Company of One, so and it's traditionally published. So I, I convinced an agent that this was a good idea, even though it's kind of counterintuitive business advice yeah. to write about it. And then she convinced a bunch of publishers that I then got to choose from that it was a good enough wow. idea to to sell. So yeah, I, I've I've actually honestly been kind of surprised that that happened, but I'm also really pleased because I think it's a message that that more people should be talking about. And I'm happy that more people are starting to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for you, Paul, what do you want? Like when someone reads this book, what is the main message of it? What do you want people to take away? And I know there's probably a bunch, but is there some sort of main theme that is going on throughout that you want people to take away from this? Yeah. So I think the thesis of the book is that business success doesn't have to equal growth. Hmm. It can. And it 100% makes sense that growth should happen sometimes for things to work out. But I think where a lot of businesses have kind of gone awry or even founders have gone awry with like their, their vision or purpose is that it doesn't have to. Like we don't have to grow to, to win at, at business. And I think that the main takeaway that I would want people to get out of it is to just question growth. Like mm. does this make sense? Do I have enough or do I need more? And if we're honest with ourselves about those questions and what those answers are, then we're going to make better decisions about our business. And not even just in terms of like hippy dippy feel good stuff. I mean, in terms of like pragmatic profit focused stuff, I think it, it, it all kind of comes back to the like we're allowed if we work for ourselves, we're allowed to build the type of business that we want, which I think is really important. And I don't think enough people <laughs> kind of consider. Yeah. So for people out there who are maybe new to this, right, and they're sitting back going, what do you mean don't grow your business? Like at what point, like when you're helping businesses, when you're helping entrepreneurs, at what point is enough? Is it enough for what they feel like is comfortable to them or, or what is it? Yeah, I mean, so it's different for everybody. And I think that 
growth is kind of in, we're inundated with the idea of growth because when we start a business, we start at zero and we all have to grow. Like growth is required when yeah, we start a business totally. because we need more of everything. And where I think things go. So in the beginning, we all need growth. We all need to adopt kind of a growth mindset. But then there comes a point when business is going well, if it's going well, that we can start to say, well, maybe I can optimize for, for where I'm at and and not focus as much on the, the growth engine of things and focus more on, say, retention or more on connection or more on communication or more on increasing my profit margins with the same amount uh, of, of gross revenue. So I think for me, it's like enough for me is that I have all everything I need in my personal life covered. I can pay all of my the people that I work with, and that's pretty much my big, biggest expense are the the people that I that I hire um, as freelancers, as well as having enough money put in a savings and enough money as like a liquid asset buffer to for me to not have to think about money. Like if I'm not stressed about money because I know I have enough to cover all of my bases, cover savings, and have a bit of a runway then I know that if I wanted to make more money, I would need to do more work, which I don't want to work more than I have to. I would need to spend more time working and less time in my personal life. And then I would also need to probably spend quite a bit more to, to make more. Because if I focus entirely on organic acquisition, if I move to paid acquisition, I could probably build a bigger audience, sell more things, but I would have to pay for those things. So my profit margin would actually decrease a little bit or a mm. lot in that case. So I think it's different for everybody, but I think if we're starting out, one, I think we have to be okay with not having enough because everybody, every single person when they start a business starts with needing to grow. And then we just need to think about, well, what might be enough for us in my business? If you have, say, four, one of my buddies has four kids, he obviously needs more than me because I don't have four kids. Yeah. Or some people may live in a much more expensive part of the world, in which case they might need more. So, I mean, I think it's up to us to individually determine, like, what is enough for ourselves and be honest with ourselves about what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things there. For you, Paul, like, since you're not necessarily focused. So, first of all, I think all those things that you're saying make sense. But what's funny about it is I think if people focused more on those, that way of thinking in terms of retention and communication and building relationships... I think that would just naturally grow someone's business, don't you? For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of like, and I think that kind of growth, that like slow organic growth mm. makes sense because then as well at, 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 in that case, we're growing based on realized profits. We're not spending money in the hopes of making money because that's that. risky and that could yeah. <laughs> that that could end up failing like look at companies like Petstock. some people may be too young to remember this but pets.com was spending millions of dollars on super bowl ads before they'd made any money they were selling their pet food at at less than they were buying it for so they had no pro there was no profit margin at all all in the hopes that they would build uh, a big enough customer base that would come back to them when they raise their prices which doesn't that doesn't even make sense to me yeah it's so, so they, true. Were, they were just spending all and i mean that's kind of what the dot-com boom was people companies just had these excessive burn rates and they could never get out of the hole that they dug for themselves right in the right in the beginning like they set themselves up to fail yeah that's so true what motivates you, Paul? Like, you know, for a lot of people, it is maybe that growth of their business. What motivates you to get up every day? Like what fires you up to do what you do? 
Yeah, I mean coffee, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> what kind of coffee but, you drink? Oh, I'm such a West Coaster. I drink coffee from uh, a local place on Vancouver you Island. You don't that even make your beans. own? Well, I do, but okay. I buy the beans from them, and then I grind them fresh okay, in the morning cool. and then gotcha. put them through my AeroPress. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as far as what like actually motivates me, I like... I like being helpful and I like making a difference. And I think that those things can scale, but they don't have to. Hmm. Like I feel like, so a good example of that is my mailing list, which generates pretty much all of my income for okay. all across the board for all the things I do. My list is about 30,000 people, which seems a lot or seems like really small depending on like who you compare it to. And comparison is That's kind great. of the thief of joy anyways. But my list, and I send out an article every single week that I write and I get a couple hundred replies and I can deal with that amount of replies. And I like that amount of replies. And I like that I have an audience that's engaged with the, the work and the writing that I do. So if my list grew to say 3 million people or 30 million people, yeah. I wouldn't be able to deal with the replies. Like there's no, I wouldn't have enough time in the day to interact and learn from my audience and learn from my customers and see kind of what they're working on struggling with and how I could help. And how I could be useful. So I feel like I've found that kind of organic place where it where it makes sense that there is enough. Like so one, they generate enough profit in my business to make my life easy. Mm -hmm. And two, it's a size where it makes it I, like I really enjoy like talking to people and communicating with my audience. And so it's at a size where I can easily do that. Like I, I can bang out replies for that through for a bit on Sunday, if I feel like it, or, or mostly on Monday. And that's important to me because my mailing list generates all my revenue. So I like to pay attention to the people on my list because they're the ones who are paying attention to me. It's interesting. Do you ever feel like, is it, being honest, do you ever feel like because you, I mean, you have a, a big list of 30,000 people, obviously you're helping a lot of them. It's driving your income. Do you ever think to yourself like, should I should I grow this because this message could help more people? Um, yes and no. Like, I mean, I, I'm traditionally publishing a book right now with a major publisher, yep. an agent, a publicist and stuff. So it, it could grow. But I'm always when I do think about that, I think about how that can scale without adding more to the mix. Because I think it's easier to solve. It's easier to solve business problems by adding more. Yeah. I would rather try to solve business problems with creativity and ingenuity. So I think a book is a perfect example of something that can scale without my business having to scale. Totally. There's a lot of authors that I know that have sold hundreds of thousands or millions of books that it's just them. Mm -hmm. Because you can consume a book without having there, there's no so the good thing about books is there's no customer support. I can say that because I have a bunch of software products that all require customer support. So I mean in, in doing things like that where it can, even like it, talking about email, like it takes me the same amount of time to write an article and send it to one person as it does to take at the same amount of time to write an article and send it to 30,000 totally. people with the newsletter platform. So I think we kind of live in a world where we have technology that if we use it smartly and wisely, we can scale things that make a lot of sense. I got a, a buddy that sells physical like this doesn't even just apply to digital products friend of mine sells um, iPhone covers and cases, and they have, I think, four or five people working for them. They make in eight figures. Wow. And they have just Great. like 
they have a couple support people because iPhone cases don't require that much support. (laughs) They're either on your phone or they're not on your phone. Yeah. And then they have deals with manufacturers and shipping companies where they just have to be kind of the marketing, branding, quality control aspect of things. And then they just work with other businesses to make the. This is how business used to work. Like up until about 120 years ago, businesses were all very small, um, cooperative businesses. Like this age of big corporations, we think that it's been around forever and it's not. Business used to exist as like multi-generational collaborative operations. And I think we're kind of moving a little, I don't think we're entirely moving towards that. And I don't think corporations are ever going to go away. But I do think that more and more people based on things like printing on demand or drop shipping or just collaborating with other people or using technology, we can kind of to some degree get back to that, which I think is smart for some people. If some people want to own a business, but don't want to own a big business. Mm. And I think that's something that people need to answer at the very beginning, right? Because I think a lot of people sometimes don't know they just want to open a small business and then things start to gain traction. And then that's what I see a lot of times people become really unhappy. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because even for some of the products that I sell with partners, like that's an important conversation to have in the beginning. Like if I don't want um, a software company that I co-own with somebody to grow beyond a couple people and the other person is like, well, I want to have like the next Facebook, then we're going to get into trouble and we're going to get into trouble when things are going right. Yeah. Because we're only going to talk about scale if we're if we're successful to some level. And so I think that that's an important conversation. Yeah, obviously, like you said, to have with ourselves, but also to have with the, the people that we decide to collaborate with or partner with or work with. Yeah. And, you know, too, with what you do, and it makes a lot of sense how you teach online courses, because that's the new way of doing things. Like, that's the new way of, you know, webinars to online courses. It just makes sense because it's scalable without having the bunch of people on your team. Yeah, exactly. And I think if we put in the work beforehand to make them one as good and valuable as possible, but to pre-answer questions. So I spend a lot of time because I have kind of an engineering um, software background. I really work at pre-answering questions and onboarding um, students properly. Because if I got like 10 emails for every student that bought a course, I would have to charge more for the courses because I would have to put in so much more time. So true. So I always try to make all of the things as easy as possible, make sense as much as possible, and be as valuable as possible. So then those people are happy with the thing they bought. They don't have any questions because it makes sense. And then they're going to tell everybody they know about it. And that's going to become my unpaid sales force, which is always a good thing. Yeah, totally. And for you, Paul, like I'm curious, if you could go, say, back in time and offer your young self a piece of advice, not not change anything, but just offer a piece of advice or piece of guidance, I'm wondering uh, what that would be for you. Yeah, it would definitely be that there's a difference between uh, productivity and efficiency. Hmm. I think when I was in my 20s, I thought that I could get more done if I just worked more hours. And that's really not the case. There's so much science that shows like, hey, we actually need a good night's sleep. Or there was a a Pew study done in the States that showed that people really like their productivity drops off exponentially at about 55 hours of work per week. So working 80 hours a week may sound like it's a badge of honor and we may (laughs) the cult of busy may reward us. But like we're not actually getting that much more done. So I, I always try to. So in the beginning, like 
in my 20s when I was dumb, <laughs> I thought that I'd, I could just work like 12, 16 hour days. And now that I'm in my 40s, it's like, well, one, my body is not going to not going to do good things for me if I don't take care of it. Yeah. So going to the gym, getting exercise, doing yoga, going for walks in nature, all of that stuff makes me more productive, even though it's not me sitting at my desk working. And getting a good night's sleep is good. Eating well is good. All of these things make me be able to get more work done faster. And I think that that's what is important to me now, and I wish it had been more important to me back then. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because, you know, a few months ago, I was kind of felt like I was stuck. And when I looked at my daily routine, it was me just trying to put in so much work in front of my computer. Um, And then all of a sudden, what I did one day is I'm like, I'm going to step away and I'm just going to go for like a a 30 minute walk. And the creativity that happened as I took myself out of that environment was amazing. And now recently over the past two months, like I've only tried to be in front of my computer a few hours a day because it just it was killing me. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I think that happens with with a lot of people when they start to realize that is like we give ourselves a certain amount of time to do a task and then that task takes up exactly that amount of time. Yeah. So if we experiment with just giving ourselves a bit less time and a bit less time and a bit less time, then we'll see like, hey. I can actually be a lot more efficient and I do, I can't actually find time to, to go to the gym or go for a walk or spend time with my, my kids or family. Yeah. What's without getting into like crazy detail, but what's like a typical day look like for you? Yeah, there's no typical, which mm. I, I, is on purpose. Yeah. I like that. Some days I could be doing interviews all day. Some days I could be just writing by myself all day. Some days I could just be out in the woods on Vancouver Island (laughs) with my wife all day. And some days I could be writing software. So I think that I really like having a business that has variety in it where I'm making or being creative in a bunch of different ways. So it all depends. But like typically, like I get up early, I have a coffee. We've covered this. I work I do my best work in the mornings. So I just try to get like, I typically wake up at about six or 7 AM. I haven't had an alarm clock ever. I don't think maybe (laughs) when I was in school, that was a long time ago. And then I work until about mid afternoon, sometimes less. And then I go do something, go do something else. Like go to the gym, go to yoga, go for a walk, watch some football, (laughs) whatever, whatever it is on that day that, that seems like fun. Yeah, totally. And uh, Paul, for people who want to who want to grab a copy of the book, it comes out in January. But where can people learn more about Company of One, and where can they eventually grab a copy? Yeah, so the book is pretty much everywhere that books are sold uh, when it comes out on January fifteenth. Uh, so online, like Amazon, or in bookstores like Chapters Indigo. Um, and if they want, if people want to check it out beforehand, there's a website of one. .co and uh, just as an incentive for people to pre-order it there's a bunch of bonuses on the of one.co website where if you pre-order one copy to many copies there's a bunch of awesome things I think that that you can get nice well I'm going to share that with everyone and uh, now Paul the way we end the show here is I give you the floor and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So one thing or one thought that we can all go home with today. Sure. I, I think it's what we what we talked about. And I'll, yeah. I'll sum it up again, is that it's important for us to think about what enough is. 
So what is enough for each of us? How will we know when we've reached it? And what will change when we do reach it? Everyone be sure to grab a copy of Company of One. Pre-order it to make sure you take advantage of those incentives that Paul is offering you. Paul, what's the best way our audience can uh, can follow you and keep up to date, say, social media-wise? Um, I'm not really on social media except for Twitter. And okay. there I mostly just share... Um, snarky comments and pictures of my pet rat <laughs> uh, my newsletter is the best place to follow along awesome. so it's called the sunday dispatches if you google paul jarvis you'll find it on the first couple links on there beautiful well i'm going to share the exact link so it makes it super simple for all of you listening to be able to sign up for that um, again company of one be sure to pre-order that uh, might as well take advantage of those incentives before it comes out uh, full-time january 15th and as you can see from this interview, everyone, success is driven by passion, hunger. And today, self-awareness. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to speak with the amazing Paul Jarvis. Paul, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule there and coming on the show here with us today. Yeah, thanks, Colin. This was a blast. Pleasure was all mine. And everyone, if you liked today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment, share it with your friends. Until next time, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.